And you know, as you, as you sing these Christmas carols, it's as if God brings you back in time. 2,000 years back in time. To be there at the manger. To be there when the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary and Elizabeth. To be there as we learn these lessons of faith, which I have focused on during this season, and I will continue to do it. And so today's message, really, is a story of a 14-year-old girl who will receive the greatest message in the history of the world. And her reaction to that message demonstrates an incredible amount of faith and submission to the will of God. And so this story that I want to focus on, that I want to preach to you today, is best told by Luke, that great historian, who really, really lays it out so beautifully and who he got in an eyewitness testimony from Mary. And so he carefully gives us the facts of that event. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 25 to 30, it's on the board. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And so what an incredible expression from the angel Gabriel, you have found favor with God. God has looked at you, has looked at your life and determined that you would be the woman who would bear his son, who would raise his son, who would be the savior of the world. What an incredible honor, incredible honor and privilege to do that. God had bestowed great grace upon her. And you know, uh, I know there are some denominations that, that look at Mary uh, and worship Mary uh, and say full of grace, but understand something. It was the grace of God that was poured into her. The grace of God. She was an ordinary Jewish woman uh, who was scholarly and serious and understood scripture uh, and a woman of the lineage of David. Yet, I understand, God displayed his graciousness towards her. And so the commentaries that I've studied indicate that she was about 14 years old, which was about the age that most women would be married off. Uh, and they would begin this by being in an engagement period, which would be at least a year long. And the engagement was looked at the same as marriage. And once you were engaged, you were effectively married, even though they didn't sleep together at that point, that would come at a later point. Uh, and so what's amazing here is this 14-year-old girl did not melt into a quivering mess when this angel speaks to her, because you know the general reaction to human beings when an angel visits them. It's fear and trepidation. And yet this woman, this 14-year-old girl really, did not melt into a quivering mess. And it just shows you how serious she was and how appropriate it was that God chose her. Now, the angel continues in his uh, uh, dialogue with Mary, and that's in Luke 1, verses 31 to 38. Uh, and we have that on the board as well. The angel continues and is quoted there, You, 
will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary hears this, and then she responds, well, how will this be, says this 14-year-old girl? How will this be since I am a virgin? How am I going to be giving birth? when I've never known a man. This is an impossibility. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be called, will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive, is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And so you see how God's doing this. Yes, you're going to bear the Son of God. Yes, the Holy Spirit will come over you, will overshadow you. And when he does that, he will impregnate you with the Son of the Most High God. And the proof of this right now, the evidence I'm giving you, is that your old cousin, Elizabeth, is now pregnant as well with her son, John the Baptist. Because God decreed it. That's the evidence. No word of God will ever fail. I love that last mention from Gabriel. No word of God will ever fail. And God is speaking to us today with that same power. And I love the response of this woman when she gets this message. Uh, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Now, do you think she understood all the machinations of what that meant? Do you think she understood the virgin birth, really? Understood the incarnation, but she accepted the word of God. She bowed in submission, and faith was the predicate. Faith was the predicate. The faith of Simeon, the faith of Anna, the faith of Elizabeth, the faith to understand and bow before the throne of God and accept his words. Yes, I am your servant. Let it be as you have said. Uh, it's su such an incredible response. Her response was significantly different from the father of John the Baptist. Do you remember our friend Zacharias? Who when told he would have a child said, no, there's no way. Look at my wife. Look how old she is. Look at me, how old I am. That'll never happen. It'll never happen. And the angel basically makes him uh, mute for, for nine months. It's a whole different mindset, a whole different kind of faith. Her humble response is, I am the Lord's servant. What an amazing statement. Let it be, Lord. Let it be as you have said, according to your word. Uh, and so you see this woman's spirit of obedience and submissiveness and faithfulness. This is precisely the kind of attitude that God wants us to have today. If you want to be used by God, this is exactly what God is looking for in your life. And Paul has spoken about this very issue, and that's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, and there he gives us a clear direction on how we are to accept the will of God, how we are to know God's will in our life. And I think this is part of the lesson that God has for us today. And it says there, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see how you find the will of God? You come prepared. You don't, you don't become transformed by this world. You don't become conformed to this world. Instead, you transform your spirit to the will of God. You pray and study uh, and, and approve then what God's will is. Uh, and this, this passage speaks to my heart today, and I hope it speaks to your heart as well. It tells us that the first thing that we need to find out as we walk with God is we have to find out uh, what God's will is and then decide that we're going to obey it. I mean, we must be like Mary, you see, who presented herself to God and said, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me as you would. And then when, he, when we do that, then God speaks his will into our lives. That's what it takes, that submissive nature. Lord, I will submit to you. I will go where you want. I will do what you want. Uh, and I will, will listen to you and, and bow in submissiveness to you. This is a lesson that I had to learn in my own life, in my own ministry, because I've told you that when I was about 50 years old, that God, God called me out of the practice of law. Uh, and called me really to preach. Uh, and so I didn't understand exactly how this would really take place in my life, but I knew that one era of my life had closed uh, and that another era would come open. And so I was praying about it, and I had become very good friends with Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, and Gary had come down, spent time with me, and, and somehow I thought that God would call me to some great effort, some big power church some big national ministry, pardon me, pardon me, Lord. And one day, after a couple years of this praying, a humble man, a humble man came up to me and said, hey, hey, you and I live in Port Royal. How about you and me starting a Bible study uh, in my house? Now, normally, if somebody had said that to me, I would have used what I call Christian weasel language. Now, I know this doesn't apply to you people because you would never do it, but Christian weasel language is, uh, let me pray about it. Am I right? Let me pray about it. Then I'll let a week go by or so, uh, and then I'll forget that we ever spoke about it, and then I'll just say, no, the answer is no. But you understand, God had been preparing me. And so there it was. I had been prepared for a couple of years. So when he said, how about us starting a Bible study in Port Royal in my house? I said, yes. Just like that. Yes. Yes. No thinking about it. No thinking about it because I had been prepared because I had bowed myself to the will of God and I prepared. Now, I told you the story. Uh, that we sent out 250 postcards to everybody in Port Royal, and not one person responded, okay? And so that was lesson number two. John, it's my Bible study. It's not yours. I had to get that through my, my thick head. But you understand is how when we bow in submission to the will of God, we bow to God, uh, that God will take those humble first steps, those submissive steps, 
and will multiply it greatly. And uh, that Bible study today is basically the foundational predicate for the radio ministry that's in all 50 states every single weekend. It started in the house with seven guys. All right? That's God. That's God. All right? That's not me. That's God. And so I'm telling you this story because it says this is really how Mary is approaching the angels. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. I will do what you want. I will go where you want. I will do that. Uh, and so now I ask you, <clears throat> because we always hear this story, I ask you now to put yourself in the shoes of this young woman. She's 14 years old. She's engaged to be married. Her entire family is, pr- uh, is putting together, I'm sure, an elaborate wedding ceremony, a wedding party. Married, marrying to Joseph, who was an older man, a uh, man who's already got a career as a carpenter. Now think about what's going on in her mind. I'm sure she said, really, what am I going to tell Joseph? How am I going to explain this? How am I going to tell Joseph, Joseph, I'm pregnant, but it's not from a man, it's from God. You can hear Joseph listening to this and saying, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Uh, and so you see, Joseph doesn't get the credit that he deserves either often. We dismiss it because here he is. Uh, I'm sure, he was deeply in love with Mary, deeply in love, deeply committed, thinking about how his life uh, is going to be changed forever with this woman uh, and recognized, you see, that if in fact she had a baby born out of wedlock uh, under the Jewish law, she would be put to death. And it was even worse than that. What they would do is they would drag the woman into the temple. They would force her to drink this drink that they, they concocted called bitters. And it was a drink designed to let your organs blow up. And so there would be this horrible, excruciating death that they would do. it, And he would have nothing to do with this. And the Bible tells us that, that he wanted to put her away privately. Yes, he would divorce her, but he would do it in a civil kindly way. And I'm convinced, by the way, that Jesus saw how his father acted uh, in so many ways. And I think it even, it, it really amplifies into how Jesus dealt with people in such a kind way. He saw that in the fact that way his father acted toward his mother. <clears throat> and so God intervenes again. God speaks through the angel Gabriel to Joseph. And this is found in Matthew 1, Verses 20 to 21, and you see, this is how God acts. And so when God calls you to something, even though it seems to be impossible, God will buttress you and protect you and lift up the call in your life. And that's what he did for Mary, as he now explains to Joseph what exactly is going on. And you could see it in Matthew 1, verses 20 to 21. There he says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what Jesus meant in their language, Savior. Saving people from their sins. Now, he gets this message from the, from the angel Gabriel. He's not like Zechariah. 
in belief, he immediately has faith. He accepts it. And this was all Joseph needed to hear. He didn't need any other explanation. He didn't need to understand how the virgin birth took place, how the incarnation took place, how God would overshadow her. You understand? He accepted the words of the angel as coming directly from God, and he bowed to the will of God. And there he stayed for the rest of his life as the husband and father of Jesus forever until the Lord called him home. What a godly man. What a godly man. And so here's the other lesson for you today as you consider this. And God brings us back 2,000 years. And when God blesses us in a tremendous way, there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay in this world because the world does not esteem you when you're blessed by God. You understand? Don't look for a parade. Don't look for people to elevate you as the blessings of God pour into your life or as God is using you. That will not take place. And in fact, I'm sorry to say in many churches, you may not even be given the praise and esteem that you should get. And the same thing happened here with Joseph and Mary because we knew that they had to survive vicious rumors all their lives. Jesus had to face the fact that many of the Pharisees would use this against them as they knew the basis of the, of the birth but didn't understand the incarnation, and they would say that Jesus was born out of wedlock. Uh, and this occurred even in his later ministry when he started to preach. Uh, and uh, they would say to him, there's a, there's a section of Scripture where the Pharisees said to him, we are not illegitimate children. Can you imagine speaking to God like that? Can you imagine? But that shows you the evil nature of the human spirit and how these people were so far removed from the will of God. And they said, the only father we have is God himself. That was equivalent to saying to Jesus, well, at least we weren't conceived out of wedlock like you were. Uh, and so incredibly, Joseph and Mary had to go through this their whole life. Think about it. There was always whispering and slander and gossip just underneath uh, the surface. And yet, she walked with God, and Jesus lifted, up, lifted her up, and Joseph lifted her up uh, in such an incredible way. And so you understand that when God blesses you, and it may be incredible, that it will not necessarily be a rose garden. And let me say that to you. God can use you in a mighty way, and I hope that he does. But don't think that the world will acknowledge that. Most likely they will not. Now Mary, you see was a well-educated Jewish woman in the Scripture. She understood the Scriptures well. And so when the angel Gabriel spoke to her, he was speaking to her through two messianic prophecies that come out of the book of Isaiah. And Mary knew those prophecies well. And so if you were a Jewish person, be it a man or a woman, during this period, well, you were looking forward to the Messiah coming, and you knew that these two verses in Isaiah spoke about the coming of the Messiah. So examine the key statements of the angel as he spoke to Abriel, effectively reiterating the very prophecies of Isaiah. You will be with child. You will give birth to a son named Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of God. He will have the throne of his father, David. He will come out of the lineage of David, and both Mary and Joseph came out of that very lineage. His kingdom 
will reign forever over the house of Jacob. Forever. There are no time limits here. It's not like David or Solomon who had a, a, a pre-existing timeline. With your son, he will rule forever. His kingdom will never end. Of course, Mary says, I am a virgin. This is impossible. But then the angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Uh, and the proof of this right now is that your old cousin is pregnant. Pregnant with the messenger who will speak ahead of time before Jesus. And so this first angelic message comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And hopefully we have it on the board. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I want you to understand something, that the, the opponents uh, of Jesus will say, especially some of the Jewish scholars, well, if you go back and you read that verse, you can translate it not as a virgin, but as a young woman. Well, let me ask you something. What kind of prophecy is it that a young woman's going to give birth to a son? It's absurd. It's absurd. Of course, a young woman is going to give birth. A young man isn't going to give birth. But if you want messianic uh, triumph, coming from a virgin is how God would write it. And that's how we have to understand it. Uh, and giving them the name Jesus was meaning the Savior. The second part of that announcement comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And from those of you who are musicians and know Handel's Messiah, this is one of the great musical pieces of all time. For, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine getting these words from the, the angel Gabriel, understanding that the government will be on his shoulders, meaning what? The government of God, the very government of God established forever here in this world. And look at the names of Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, to any of your friends who say, yes, yes, Jesus was a good man, he was a prophet, he did a lot of good things, but he's not God. Really? Really? How about the angel Gabriel making it very clear as the words of Isaiah 700 years before, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of peace. That's who your savior is. That's who your baby is. That's what he is. And you understand this. This is this imagine this overwhelming message being given to this 14-year-old girl. And so the angel Gabriel quoted these prophecies because God knew that Mary would recognize where they came from and recognize that when the angel said that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, <clears throat> that came right out of Exodus when God overshadowed 
the people of Israel as they were pulled out of Egypt. And as they walked in the wilderness, it says that God overshadowed them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, overshadowing and protecting. And so that was a comfort. If you were a Jewish woman hearing the overshadowing aspect, it would be great comfort to you to know that. <clears throat> and so the virgin birth is the foundational predicate for everything we have in Christianity. If you do not accept the virgin birth, you cannot be a Christian. It's that simple. You understand? Uh, there's no quid pro quo. It's the virgin birth or nothing at all. And so even though she didn't understand how it was going to happen, what the machinations were of this, she accepted the word of God. And today, you also must have faith in the virgin birth. You have to have faith in it. And you have to tell your family and friends. Because without the virgin birth, frankly, there is no Christianity. And there are important theological reasons why this had to be so. Because of the conception, the manner of conception of Jesus Christ, immaculately conceived through the Holy Spirit, Jesus did not inherit a sinful nature. That's important. He did not inherit the sinful nature that each and every one of us has as we come out of the line of Adam. Jesus didn't have this. He was conceived without that sinful nature. He was the sinless son of God who became the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice on the cross. And as the Lamb of God, he would die in that perfect state of sinlessness and take away for all eternity the sins of the world for all who would believe in him. Now, here's the point of this. Without a sinless Christ, there is no atonement. Without atonement, there is no forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there is no hope of heaven. Without a hope of heaven, you see, there is really no hope at all in this life. If you doubt the virgin birth, you have, no, you have also doubted the truthfulness of God's word. Because it plainly says, Jesus was born of a virgin. If you doubt the virgin birth, you also have to doubt the character of Mary. If her conception was not supernatural, then she was immoral, and Jesus was born out of wedlock. If there was no virgin birth, then Jesus was a mere man and not a savior at all. And let me assure you, Jesus was no mere man. He was the son of God, born as the perfect sacrifice. And so as you see Mary and Joseph in perfect faith, Coming to understand this, they understand that the first Christmas, the virgin birth was the key foundational predicate for all that God would do. It is the central point to everything that we believe. It is the essence of Christmas. Let's not confuse Christmas with Christmas trees and Santa Claus and Christmas lights and presents. They're all great, but the central aspect of Christmas is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
the Son of God. And so as hard as it is for us to wrap our minds about this in our finite human way, we understand that Jesus was born to die. Born to die. The shadow of the cross hung over him even in a cradle. And I have this very poignant print in my house that I had printed up on postcards and I send out when I, I want to say an affirming word to somebody. And it shows Joseph in his carpentry shop working and Jesus as a two-year-old infant on the ground working near his father with a hammer on a piece of wood and the shadow of Jesus on the ground is a cross. A cross. The very shadow of that baby. A cross. Because it was destined to be that from the beginning. We understand this. He was destined from the moment he was born to be the perfect sacrifice. And so when he was a little older, you see, when he was about two years old, the Magi come in, the wise men come in from the Far East. They travel 800 miles because they had studied, they had studied the, the writings of Daniel and understood that 173,000 days later from some aspect during the, the reestablishment of Jerusalem, the, the Messiah would be born. And they understood this, and so they travel to Jerusalem. They're following a star because they were astrologers and they knew the heavens. And, and you understand, then they did that. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And did you ever stop to think, what's myrrh about? Why bring myrrh? Myrrh is an embalming fragrance used to honor the dead. Because they knew in the discernment that God had given them that this baby would ultimately die for us. These pagans knew that, you see, because God, through the Holy Spirit, communicated that to their heart. Uh, and so what a powerful, powerful explanation this is to us as we see all of this coming together at the birth of Christ as the first century church begins. Now, eight days, you see, eight days following the birth of Jesus, we know, we've already spoken about this, Mary and Joseph bring the baby to be presented into the temple. Uh, and we know there that Simeon, who had been waiting for the Messiah to be born, knows now through the Holy Spirit, this is the Messiah. And so as he's there and he, he brings the baby and prays over the baby, he makes these, this statement to Mary, this child shall be the rising and fall of many in Israel. The rising and fall of many in Israel. Can you imagine what Mary thought? It says she was stunned to hear this. She had faith, but you understand how faith works? Faith isn't complete on the first day you're saved. Every day of your life as you walk with God, your faith gets more filled out. And so here she's hearing this story, the rising and fall of many. In other words, there will be people who will not accept this child as the Messiah. And you, Mary, and you, Mary, a sword, you see, will pierce 
your own heart. A sword will pierce my heart. Imagine what that was like. Lord, I bow to you. You told me to be the bearer of your son, and now it's a sword is going to be piercing my heart, and I will say to you that her faith grew day by day by day. Here she saw she didn't understand everything. And when, she, when Jesus was 12 years old, you know, they lost him for three days because they had gone to Jerusalem for one of the feasts, uh, and they weren't careful about where Jesus was. And where did they find him? They found him in the temple three days later debating theology well, with the Pharisees. How about that? 12 years old. This is no mere child. This is the Son of God. And so it says there that they were troubled, recognizing Son... Son, what are you doing to us? And Jesus saying to her, don't you realize, mother, I have to be about my father's business? Oh, oh, Jesus, I can imagine. Oh, oh, Jesus, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. And then some years later, when he starts his ministry at the marriage of Cana, right? At the marriage of Cana, they run out of wine. What does Mary do? She's a good Jewish mother. She sees this need, and so she goes to her son. Son, look, they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine. Can you imagine? And Jesus says to her, don't you realize I have to be about my father's business? Again, don't you realize? In other words, another statement of fact to her faith. Yes, I love you as my earthly mother, but I'm responsible to God, my father. Another walk with faith. Oh, God, I didn't understand really what I was doing here. And yet every day, the tree is becoming more complete as I see the leaves filling out. Oh, my Lord Jesus. And there she stood at the bottom of the cross when Jesus is dying. Uh, and Jesus turns to John and says, look at your mother. Look at your mother. In other words, take care of her. I love her. I love her deeply, and now you take care of her. And so you see the real Mary's faith develops over a lifetime. And that's the lesson for you today. Even as we honor Mary, and this message resonates in my heart, your faith also develops over a lifetime. Your faith is not the same today as it was yesterday. It's not the same next week or next month or next year as you walk with the Lord. Every day, he's going to give you new truths. He's going to lift you up through the Holy Spirit, uh, and you will be more assured in your relationship with God every day of your life. Uh, and I'm sure that finally at the end, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that Mary finally said, oh, yes, God, I understand. I understand what you did. We needed a Savior, God. I needed a Savior, and who would know that my own son would be my Savior? And so you see, the years of working and walking, even as she raised that child, God was putting it all together in her life. And so that's the lesson for you today. As you see this great woman of faith and her husband in faith stepping out, even when they didn't really understand it, even when it really didn't make sense, in our human mind, but we bow to the will of God. And that's my hope for you, that each and every one of you today says, Lord, I will bow to your will. Whatever you have for me, I will accept it. Wherever you want me to go, Father, I will go. Wherever you want me to speak, I will speak, Lord. I will do it. 
I will take this message of hope and I will give it to people who have not heard it. Even if I think, Father, I'm not qualified or I will be embarrassed, I will never be embarrassed of your son, Jesus Christ. I will step out and walk with him and hope to be a part of his work and his eternal kingdom. Amen, church? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for these words. Father, I thank you for the life of Mary. I thank you for this expression of faith as she stepped out for you, God, not even knowing truly how it would come to be together. Lord, how can this be? I am a virgin. And yes, God would explain it and touch Joseph as well so that the two of them would walk together in life and raise Jesus and demonstrate to a world that would even gossip and slander them. Yet, they would walk in humble faith as they elevated you in great submission. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.